If you're a pastor, elder, deacon, nonprofit board member, or business owner, I need you to listen to this. K&K Furnishings needs to be on your shortlist. K&K Furnishings are committed to helping you find the right furnishings for your church or organization. These guys specialize in quality worship seating, welcome centers, cafes, nurseries, classrooms, as well as stage and podium furnishings. The two owners have over 70 years of combined pastoral experience, so not only will every transaction be handled with integrity and professionalism, but they have the experience to provide you with the perfect solutions for your furniture needs, and they absolutely understand your budget constraints and demands. K&K Furnishings are devoted to providing you quality pieces that save you money. They can do this because they don't have the overhead of a brick and mortar store and they have relationships with over 200 manufacturers nationwide. Look, we all know there's a lot of junk out there. K&K understands that many times bargains aren't true money savers. They end up costing you more in the long run. At K&K, they believe that quality furnishings don't have to be outrageously expensive. And here's the best part. K&K Furnishings sells nationally and can also provide in-person consultations in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. If you can't meet in person, they'd be happy to set up a Zoom consultation for you today. So whatever your next project is, whether it's your home office or your church sanctuary, K&K Furnishings is the only place you need to look. Go to www.kkfurnishings.com to see how they can help you or call 567-318-4520. That's www.kkfurnishings.com or call 567-318-4520 or click on the link in the description of this episode. K&K Furnishings, furnishing business, education, worship, and hospitality for the glory of God. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I got to tell you about Jacob's Supply. Jacob's Supply is the place you got to go for all of your material needs. These guys bring you construction supplies and appliances for up to 50% off retail price, all brand new. Your home builder needs some lumber? Jacob's Supply has you covered. You a deacon at your church and you're in charge of that next Narthex floor job? Jacob's Supply has got you. Heck, they got Cortec Luxury Vinyl Plank right now for $3.59 a square foot. Go look that stuff up at Lowe's or Home Depot, man. That stuff is selling for $7 to $8 a square Square foot. That's over 50% off retail. Even if you just have some home projects you're working on, Jacob Supply is the place for you. I just built an outdoor grilling area this spring for that old smoker and grill. Guess where I got the metal roof, lumber, and screws? Yeah, that's right, Jacob Supply. Looking for a fridge, stove, washer, dryer? They got them all, and their name brand. Samsung, Bosch, Frigidaire, all 20, 30, 40% off retail. Brand new and ready for you. Located in Temperance, Michigan, it's worth it to stop by even if you're a few hours away. And remember, Jacob Supply can ship products nationally too. So even if you're out of state, you gotta check them out. Follow them on Facebook at Jacob Supply or call them direct at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978. 0978. Remember, Jacob Supply, quality building materials at wholesale prices. And now, on to the show. I'm on a hundred. Yeah, I said I'm on a hundred right now. Eh? We on a hundred. Yeah, I said we on a hundred right now. Eh? I'm on a hundred. Yeah, I said I'm on a hundred. Come on. What is this? We on a hundred there, Jake. Come on. This is great, man. What's up, man? Man, I hope we don't get in trouble for that one. But, uh, yeah. It's exciting. We had to do it. We had to do it. It's the 100th episode, baby. I know, dude. What is up with that? It's a celebration. When did we uh, decide to make 100 episodes of Dead Men Walking Podcast? Oh, my gosh. You know, it's crazy. It's 100 episodes, but just 100 of the main episodes. Yeah, yeah. That's wild, man. We got another... Probably I mean, sixty or seventy of shorts and book reviews and dude, you wrote me into this. Oh and, my uh, gosh! I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote you. In. I was oh, like, let's man. do this. All right, cool, cool. We yeah, made it though. I know, dude. It's so <laughs> wild. I mean, a year and a half in. 
Yeah. Been doing some work. Yeah, doing for some sure. Work. For the Lord, for the Lord. Though. Absolutely. Yeah. So everyone, welcome to our hundredth so. episode of Dead Men Walking. If you've been here since the first one, thanks for sticking Thank around. You. Thank and you. And if you're just joining us, make sure you stick around for the next one hundred. Right. Exactly, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I, I oh, remember um, uh, watching Apologia Studios. They had the, their three hundredth episode, and yeah. uh, uh, they had Stephen Bankars on actually. And okay. Marcus Pittman was behind the camera at the time. I don't know if you guys remember Marcus from Lore TV. Sure, sure. Um, but uh, he said to Jeff Durbin, he was like, really? This is what we're going to do for the 300th episode? This is all we're going to do? And it was like, what? <laughs> it's like Stephen Bankars. That's going to be Marcus. a great episode. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's Marcus. So yeah, it's just oh, funny. It's funny. He was probably just needling them or something or something. oh probably one it of their funny. probably one of their best episodes ever too. oh man Bankers. it was yeah bankers yeah. brings the heat bankers back. man loved having him on I we got to have him back on oh that would be awesome would love to have him back on if but. uh if you would have told me you know a year and a half ago when we first started this in april of yeah. 2020 no 100 episodes later we would have got to sat down with <laughs> the the guys and gals that we've sat down with right and uh talked to it's it's kind of mind blowing, really. It really is, man. And I mean, you know, and it's like, it has been really funny to just email people and they're like, yeah, sure. I'll be on your podcast. <laughs> You're like, what? Okay. Right. Cool. <laughs> oh, that was quick. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah. On the I, flip side of that, there's a few that I've, uh, you know, you send kind of when you send out the request to, I kind of like to pitch it for the for the guest and what they could bring to the episode. Yeah, so yeah. you do the same thing when yeah. you send out your requests, I think, and just mm-hmm. say, Hey, we think you'd be a good fit. And there's been a couple that I've sent to and I go, Oh yeah, they're, 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 they're coming totally, out. And they're yeah. just like, no, or they just don't respond or <laughs> right. I don't have the right contact. Different. Well, I mean, Jim you Brewer, know. you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> he did respond to us. I know, I know, right. He gave us the thumbs up and was Isn't laughing at hilarious? our jokes. He's like, come on, yeah. Jim Brewer, just come on and talk about COVID. So funny. I would love to have him on, get, get like Joe Rogan on, have a serious conversation. <laughs> You know, yeah, Rogan ain't but coming man, out. Yeah, right. <laughs> you um, never know, though. He just stuck up for Chris Pratt. I mean, maybe. I don't oh, know, that's true. You know, but he, he could be trending more towards, uh, yeah, more towards our side of things. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. The Lord's we'll working see. on him. Maybe. Right. That'd be that'd be amazing. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, hundred episodes. So we wanted to do something special for the hundredth episode, and Jason and I had this idea, and it kind of popped up in my head. Oh, six or seven months ago, I was talking. And I was kind of talking to some people and looking online, and I saw just how um, kind of the Reformed theology had had been coming under attack over the last year and a half. There was actually some leaders within uh, Calvinism and Reformed theology that had been either you know swayed by kind of liberal theology or wokeism, mm-hmm. and people saying, "Oh, see, that was a fad. That was that whole new reformers from the early two thousands. That's you know that's that, that's not here to stay." and uh, I kind of had this idea of, you know, I know a lot of solid brothers and sisters in the Lord that are not only just younger, but maybe don't have the same popularity as some of the guys yeah. that we we look up to that are reformed without reservation. Right. And when I thought about that, I said, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could get some of our past guests or friends of the podcast, mm-hmm. maybe to send in um, a little three, four, five minute clip of why they're reformed right. without reservation, why they hold to the theology of the reformed or Calvinistic theology doctrines of grace. Yeah. And 
Jason and I talked about it. And Jason went, yeah, that seems like a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, let, let's make it happen. So what what we did is we reached out to um, some of the past guests that we've had on. Um, I think these are all past guests here. Let's see. Yep. Uh, yeah, right? Every one of them. Every one of them has yeah. actually been on the podcast. So you've heard them talk before, but we specifically asked them, give us under five minutes and I think everyone came in under five minutes, except for our last one, Mr. Claude Ramsey. But we gave him the extra two minutes because you're going to listen to that. And it was uh, he was preaching and fire. You will weep, <laughs> right? Uh, if, if, love it. If Jeremiah love, love was if Jeremiah was the uh, the weeping prophet, yeah. then Claude is our weeping preacher because <laughs> right, right. he'll get you he'll get you to tear up when he talks about the grace of God. Man, but um, so we had six different uh, voices on here, and what we did is we had him send in our audio. We mixed it down. And then we are going to present it to you back to back uh, of each of the speakers. And I'll just run off the list here. So when we do dive into that, you guys aren't totally lost. Each person does introduce themselves. But up first, we have Chris Huff. He's been on the uh, podcast, and I did meet him down at the G3, G3 conference. Yep, yep. He works closely with Just Thinking. Mm-hmm. He has a podcast as well. Awesome podcast, guys. Awesome podcast. And we had a great show with him, too, if you haven't heard the- that. Theology Matters. Yeah. Uh, make sure you check him out. The second one was Joel Webin. Um, he was one of our original guests on yep. when we went down to Fight, Laugh, Feast. In Nashville. In Nashville. Yeah. Franklin. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was, well, yeah, it was Frank. outside of Nashville, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> leave it to the traveling musician. Right, right. Exactly. Correct you if you're 15 yeah, yeah. miles away from whatever <laughs> know, you say. Right. Well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he has Applied Theology as his podcast, and, yep. he, and he gives a few minutes. It's amazing. And yep. then uh, two of our favorite guys, uh, Jerry and Andrew from Cultish, Cultish. Podcast, Man. very so generous good. with their time. Yeah. They both sent in something, um, and I thought Jerry's was very interesting, um, gave us a unique perspective and maybe a gentle correction mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. for those in the Reformed community. And then I did send a message out to Andrew that just said, you know, you, you've got the best cadence of anyone <laughs> I've ever had to edit down for audio. Andrew's awesome. Andrew's a good guy. Yeah. And his his five minutes was awesome. Uh, Gabe Wrench yeah. from Cross Politic. Man. He gave us his Superstar. Superstar, the water boy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> right. No, yeah, it was, it, that, was a, that was a great one. I loved hearing his... Post mill eschatology mm. come out in mm. that. that come we, on now. we need to build. You yeah, know? Um, uh, it was it was awesome. It was I I loved Gabe's. Gabe did a great job. And, and honestly, I would say those guys. I give those guys a lot of credit because they had their first fight laugh feast. And when we called them up and said, "Hey, we're bringing down the gear. We mm-hmm. want a live podcast," they said, "Yeah, do come it. do it." Yeah, they didn't see it as like, "Oh, you're in competition right, with us. Right. Or we have our own thing." We came down there. We're in the very fir- first fight laugh feast. Put us the right ones. by the door. <laughs> right by the door it was <laughs> a like, great hey. spot. Go right here. We're like, seriously? Where thousands of people will be walking in and out? That Okay, good idea. Do you good. Not, remember how many people we had to tell them, oh, no, this isn't our event. I know, I know. Like, oh, you guys are putting on <laughs> yeah, this. Right, right. No, we're just, yeah. we're just a and podcast And how many people here. walked in front of the camera, almost right, ran we into the camera, like yeah. a bunch of parents grabbing their kids by the shirt. Hey, get back here. Don't get in front of the camera. You know? Right. Yeah, it was and, funny. And then the last voice you'll hear on this is... Uh, Mr. Claude Ramsey, and uh, he is a recent friend of the mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, we've been on his podcast. He's been on here. And uh, just just a, such a kindred yeah. spirit Love in, Claude. The, in the Lord, humble, yep. um, meek, but be- believe me, uh, strength. Yeah. Uh, it, oh, yeah. It, you know, really comes from him when he talks. He speaks yeah. with authority because he speaks with the authority of Christ um, through the Word of God. So, Got a lineup of six good speakers. Each one is anywhere from three to five minutes. So yeah. this episode will be about the normal length. 
But it's kind of cool because here's the thing, Jason. I thought I was going to hear the exact same thing right. from every person. Yeah. I know we talked about that because yeah. we were like, are we just going to we get wondering, yeah, the yeah. same exactly. five? Oh, the doctrines are great. Right, oh, right. oh, the <laughs> oh, John tulip. Kelvin, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Tulip. <laughs> right. Almost none of them talked about that. I know, right? It was so awesome. <laughs> right? I was like, yeah. everyone attacked it from like a yeah. different a different angle, but they all were like, hey, this is what the Bible says, so that's why I believe it, mm-hmm. but and here's why, and this is why it's relevant, and yeah. this is how we can use our theology in this world, and some had an eschatology bent yeah. to it, like you said. Yeah, some it. had kind of a gentle uh, warning of how not to use it, uh, your theology against someone or an, another brother and sister in the Lord. Yeah. It was such a blessing for me to sit there and edit down that audio. Mm-hmm. And then when I, I know I sent it to yeah, you, and yeah. you listened through it, and we were just like, wow, how cool is I that? Mean, just, great. just to get brothers in the Lord yeah. that stand firm uh, and that just preach the word mm-hmm. and then contribute their time yeah. to be able to have us put this together. Exactly. Yeah. And God was glorified through right. all of those. And I mean, He will be glorified, you know. Um, as as always through the Dead Men Walking podcast, remember that. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is something that you know, guys. We we don't do this for fame, for money, for whatever. We're we're not getting paid to do any of this stuff. Right. We're we're walking in here. We we love the Lord. We love talking about Scripture, you know, and uh, what Christ is doing uh, with this podcast. We are just so thankful to be a part of. Mm. Um, so yeah, just, but, but if someone wants to donate crypto to us, yeah, okay. that's cool. Yeah. You know, Shiba Inu, go ahead. <laughs> that's not financial advice. <laughs> uh, you, you can send some Bitcoin our yeah, way. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, getting totally off subject there, but, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I was going to kind of call this the, uh, reformed round table. Why we yeah. reformed without reservation. Love it. Uh, because I love alliteration. And there's I love a lot it. of R's in that title. Hey, we have to have a title though. It's it's you know on Apple I, on iTunes. On you know, iTunes, you know? uh, yeah, Spotify. <laughs> they want a title. So I would say, without further ado, we are going to drop you right into that audio. And guys, thanks so much for joining us on our hundredth episode. And enjoy. Yep. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Chris Huff here with Matter of Theology, and um, I was asked by uh, the Deadman Walking podcast uh, to answer a couple of questions as we head into the new year. First and foremost, let me stop and say this. If you have not subscribed to the Deadman Walking podcast, why? What are you waiting on? Subscribe today. These guys are solid, great brothers. You will be edified by their content. All right, so now on to the task at hand. Um, So I was asked, number one, this question. Why do you subscribe to Reformed Theology? Uh, Well, the answer to that question is simple. It's biblical. (laughs) Plain and simple. It's biblical. Reformed Theology, um, at its core, Reformed Doctrine, um, is, is, is and should be regulated by the Scriptures alone. Uh, tradition, ancient and modern, uh, can be wonderful tools um, to teach us how to worship, to, um, to to give us glimpses into the past and, and, and throughout throughout church history, so on and so forth. But what must regulate us to the core and the foundation of who we are are the scriptures. What is written in this book is what should regulate us um, uh, through and through. Um, you know, so often for a number of years, people would always ask me, um, Chris, are you reformed? Are you, I mean, you're reformed. You're one of those reformed theology guys, aren't you? And I would always respond, I mean, honestly, kind of ignorantly at the time and say, well, I mean, my desire is to be biblical. 
at the time I wasn't very familiar with the doctrines of grace and the, uh, the, uh, you know, the five, five tenets of reformed theology, um, the five points of Calvinism. Um, you know, however, as, as the Lord grew me in that and through the work of the word by the power of the Holy spirit, as I grew in biblical knowledge and, and, and my theology, it all pointed back to one place. The scriptures alone were justified by grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, for the glory of God alone. And that is littered throughout the scriptures. Uh, so why I hold to Reformed theology is because it's biblical theology. Why do I hold to Reformed doctrine? Because it's biblical doctrine. Now, that leads to the second question that I was asked, and that is this. Why is, why is reformed theology so important for today's generation? Um, well, <laughs> when you look around right now, um, in, in not just the world, but, but inside of the evangelical church, inside of uh, where, where professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ gather, you're finding a lot of twisting of scripture. You're finding a lot of scripture plus this, or you're finding a lot of, 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 uh, uh, focus on worldly systems and worldly ideologies and worldly answers to questions that the scriptures address. Scripture is not only that the scriptures are not only infallible and inerrant, but they're sufficient. And what we're seeing in today's generation is an attack on the sufficiency of scripture. So why is it important to hold to reform theology in this generation? Because for the most part, this generation of professing evangelical Christians, this generation of professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have, have gone down a rabbit trail of fluid, subjective, experience-based truth instead of objective, absolute, uh, authoritative, sufficient truth that we find in the scriptures. So there's a need to reform what, uh, what has been allowed to deform. There's a need to get back to holding to, yes, the infallibility, yes, the inerrancy, but here's the key, the sufficiency of scripture in all matters of life and in godliness. Now, there's so much more to say about this. So here's what I want you to do. Make sure you've subscribed to the Dead Men Walking podcast. Make sure you've subscribed to Matter of Theology, uh, because our desire, and I know the guys over at Dead Men, their desire is, is just that, to be true to scriptures, to glorify God, and to assist in the edification of the saints for the building up of the bride of Christ. Thanks so much for listening. Happy New Year. We'll see you soon. Hi, this is Pastor Joel Webbin with Right Response Ministries. And believe it or not, even I, once upon a time, hated Reformed theology. In fact, in my own personal experience, I don't think I've ever met a single individual who also did not at one point hate Reformed theology. Why? Because the doctrines of grace are offensive to man in his natural state. But here's the irony. See, the irony is, if anything, that principle serves as a sign, a proof, an evidence that Reformed theology is, in fact, biblical theology. Why? Well, because of multiple verses throughout Scripture, but one we can find in Romans chapter 8. The Apostle Paul says this, The mind of the sinful man is neutral towards God's law. That was a test. That's not what the Bible says. Uh, see, what it actually says is, The mind of the sinful man is uninterested in the things of God. No. The mind of the sinful man is indifferent. The mind of the sinful man is, is just kind of aloof. No. The mind of the sinful man is hostile, at war, at enmity, violently opposed to God, his rule, and his law. The verse continues by saying, 
the, the, the mind of the sinful man, and that is merely to say, man in his natural state is hostile towards God and his law, and that man in his natural state does not submit to God, nor can he. He does not submit to God, meaning he doesn't desire to submit to Jesus. He doesn't want to submit to Jesus. He is unwilling to submit to Jesus. But the verse concludes by saying he cannot submit to Jesus. It's not only that man in his natural state is unwilling. Man in his natural state is unable. It's impossible. It's something we are incapable of. In our natural state, we will not joyfully and willingly submit to the lordship of Jesus and his commandments for all of life. And if man not only will not, but cannot submit to Christ in his natural state, you might begin to think that if any man should receive salvation, God would have to do a miracle. God would have to change man's natural state. God would have to cause a man who has been born once naturally to be born a second time supernaturally. It's as though God would have to to remove a, a person's heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. It's as though God would have to replace the natural ears with with spiritual ears and the natural eyes with spiritual eyes. It's like God would have to take his law written on tablets of stone and actually write it on the tablets of human hearts. He would have to cause the, the fear of himself to be placed within us and cause us to walk in his statutes. It's like God would have to cause us to become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Now, of course, I'm being facetious. That's precisely what the Bible says. And that's the heart of Reformed theology. There are many aspects, but the heart of Reformed theology is simply this. Regeneration precedes faith. Sadly, many Christians in the church today, they believe that it is man's responsibility to have faith in Jesus first. And if we do that, then God will respond by rewarding us with a new birth. He will respond by rewarding us with regeneration, new hearts, causing us to be born again. But the Bible teaches precisely the opposite. John chapter 3, Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus says to Nicodemus, a a man cannot enter the kingdom of God unless he first be born again. Jesus says even further than that. He says a man can't even see the kingdom of God. He wouldn't even know what direction to go unless he first be born again. So once more, I say the heart of Reformed theology is simply this. Regeneration precedes faith. God sovereignly elects us unconditionally, but solely according to his good pleasure. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he causes us to be born again, to become a new creation in Christ Jesus with new hearts and new desires and the gifts of faith and repentance. And then, and only then, do we put our hope and faith in Jesus. Hey, this is Jeremiah Roberts, and I am one of the co-hosts of a podcast called Cultish. And the reason why I think uh, Reformed theology is important is I really, it's primarily in how we've engaged the kingdom of the cults, uh, specifically cult members. Uh, I think about all the times where someone has said, you know, there's nothing that you can ever say that will ever convince me of my particular way, whether the Mormon, their LDS, whether the Jehovah's, uh, Mormon LDS, same thing, but the Jehovah's Witnesses, you name the cult member you talk to, and that's typically what they're going to say. And I believe one of the things you could, that's amazing being reformed is that 
you realize that all the your confidence is that God is going to have accomplished his purposes with every single conversation uh, you have. His word never returns void. So I just believe there is a level of peace that you can have where you can just stay attuned to just giving this person the gospel, uh, challenging their notions, getting them to think. And even as Walter Martin said, uh, he said he would plant uh, his goal was to plant seeds and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. And while I don't believe Walter Martin was fully Reformed, I think he did a, He did sort of uh, pay homage to uh, Reformed theology in that regard, because ultimately, in, in, when it comes to evangelism of the cults and really kind of engaging the culture at large, you're planting seeds, you're having conversations, you're blessing people, and ultimately you're having uh, God do the work. And a lot of times the testimonies that we've gotten have been a result of just God moving in, uh, just moving through that podcast is nothing about my eloquence or my words. I'm just, I'm just a blue collar dude trying to make sense of the world and, and trying to really bring the gospel into a subject I'm passionate about. But yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's incredibly important. And also, I believe it's very helpful too, because I do believe the Reformed tribe does as as much as we pride ourselves in our theology, which is is, is a good thing. I do think sometimes we do tend to be tri- uh, tribalistic and kind of turn our knowledge of Reformed theology into sort of a have and have nots. And I think there is an opportunity being Reformed that we can give grace, a level of grace and understanding to those who disagree uh, with our convictions of Reformed theology, or as some would say, our, Cal- our convictions of, of the doctrines of Calvinism or the doctrines of grace, however you want to label it. I believe that if someone disagrees with us in those particular points or they don't share those exactly, I think we can show, we have opportunities to show them a lot of grace, knowing that um, the only way they can get to where we are, if we believe that indeed any aspect of growing in grace is a byproduct of God, I think that is there's levels in which it's only the work of the Holy Spirit that could bring that them to that point, which can allow you to show a lot more grace. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, we've been able to really kind of cross over to a lot of different people with a lot of different ministries, really cross evangelical lives when it comes to engaging the kingdom of the cult. So that's my talk. That's my talk and thoughts on the importance of Reformed theology. So I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of everyone else giving their thoughts. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Super Sleuth here from the Cultish Podcast. I'm also known as Andrew, right? My real name. Anyways, why is Reformed theology so important? Reformed theology is so important, number one, because of this. God's word is supreme, right? It's the infallible, inspired word that is profitable for correction and for the training in righteousness, Through God's word, we can have a correct understanding of the nature of God through whom which he has revealed himself to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then we can reason from there to understand who we are. So number one, our reasoning capabilities are determined and given to us first by who God is. Other theologies don't have a fully consistent approach. They start with the sinful man and we use our sinful reasoning capabilities to reason back up to God. And I would say many errors that we see in the modern church today are because of that very concept. Can you take man's reasoning capabilities off of our pure fallen nature and reason back to the truth? I, I deny that. I would say that the scriptures tell us that in the beginning, When the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was eaten from, 
There was a knowledge of good and evil obtained, but the wisdom to discern between the two was not actually given. Now, man was left to his own devices to try to determine. But we know God, in his gracious nature, has revealed to us his truth so we can actually reason correctly. Even our reasoning capabilities are faulty because of the fall. And Reformed theology tells us that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead people don't move. Spiritually dead people don't seek God, right? God in his rich mercy takes our hearts of stones and replaces them with the heart of flesh and causes us to observe his statutes and reformed theology gives us the ability. It gives us the confessions, right? In order to stay in line with God's breathed word, the cult's thrive off of man's reasoning capabilities. And we have seen the damage that this has done within the last 200 years of United States history. We've got the Jehovah's Witnesses. We've got the Mormons. We've got Christian science. Hello. These all came from man's personal experience and reasoning capabilities. These are not things that were revealed by God with two to three independent lines of testimony. The beautiful thing about scripture is that it is. And reformed theology shows us that we need to have a biblical, consistent approach, right? An honor and a reverence in which we see God's word as the revealed truth. The one on which that we can have a foundation that is built of stone because Jesus Christ was the word made flesh, right? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That is Jesus, So I would say this reformed theology is so important because we cannot have a biblical, consistent reasoning capability without the approach that reformed theology gives us to scripture. I would say it is God breathed. It was God honoring. I would say it is something we must, we must fight for in this age of subjective reasoning and subjective truth because it sits on the other side and says, no, God is the general of my army. The Bible is his revealed truth and word. And I will stand on this solid rock in order to determine the truth around me by God's grace, his mercy through faith alone in Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe. Thank you guys. Hey y'all, this is the water boy from cross politic TV show and podcast. Uh, it's good to be with you. I'd like to thank, uh, Greg and Jason from dead man walking, uh, for inviting me on to be a part of this collage, uh, that they're, uh, presenting on their show coming this coming, uh, Christmas. The question is that they wanted me to answer was why am I reformed or, or why do I subscribe to reformed theology and why is it important? for this generation and there's a couple simple there's one simple answer to why I'm reformed and and then um, a more theological one but the basic reason why I'm reformed is because my my dad and mom uh, nurtured and brought me up into uh, that biblical school of thought that that theology Uh, so my mom and dad kind of I was fortunate to grow up into a reformed household Um, second secondly uh, I'm reformed because God is God and his sovereignty. Um, God is sovereign over all. And, and Jesus is, is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that, uh, victorious claim of Jesus is, is, uh, over heaven and earth. It's, uh, it's not a, just a spiritual claim. It's a, it's a physical claim is exciting and, um, presents 
a a worldview that that is attractive to what God is doing in this world. This world is a messed up place. We're all sinners, and to know that there's a King, a righteous King over it all, and and going to work all, going to bring about every every form, uh, uh, every person, every sinner, every moment that happens on this earth. That that God is going to bring justice to that, whether an earthly justice or an eternal justice. All uh, sin, all um, death is going to be brought uh, under the Lordship of Christ and will meet out uh, in the justice of, of God. Um, and, you know, Proverbs says that for lack of vision, uh, my people perish. And, and I, I think it's important for Christians to recover the victorious claims of what Jesus is is making through through his death and resurrection that he's king of kings lord of lords and that he's sitting at the right hand of god the father and that he 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 will reign until he makes um brings all his enemies under his footstool we uh, and this is kind of starting to get into why is it important for this generation to be reformed it, and it, it's because the meek inherit the earth it's because uh uh the world will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, as the sand on the seashore. Um, I believe that the that because Jesus is a victorious king, before Jesus comes back, before the final end of, of all of heaven and earth, I, I believe that Jesus, that there'll be more Christians here on earth than there are pagans on earth. I, I believe Christians will inherit the earth. I believe um, the gospel will be victorious over all the earth. And so I'm about 42 years old. The last 40 years or so, the church hasn't, I don't think, done a very good job building uh, culture, building church, building businesses, building. I don't think Christians in the church have have gone out into the world and made disciples in all the areas that they're, they're called to and done a very good job of it. We've built nothing. Think of all the, um, uh, you know, influential businesses out there. Think of. You know, Google's owned by unbelievers, Facebook unbelievers, Texas Instruments unbelievers, uh, Apple unbelievers, you know, uh, Tesla. I mean, think of all the major cultural influential corporations out there. And all Christians have done has gone and work for and build the pagans' kingdoms. And this is why I think it's so important for, for Christians of this generation to reclaim kind of the biblical vision of Reformed theology is because we need to be builders the reformed faith is is the the, uh, the reformed tradition is, it, it, it encourages builders it encourages creators it encourages um those who want to uh, take over um cities um politics uh, wherever sphere that god has called them to and we desperately need to reclaim the public square businesses uh, you know, the, um, uh, of course, family life and, and church life and all that is central to all this. Um, I don't think we've given our kids vision and of, of, of that victorious King. And so we're raising our kids to, to be worker bees. We're raising our kids to assimilate. We're raising our kids to be nice. You know, the 10th commandment or 11th commandment, excuse me, thou shalt be nice. The 11th commandment. We're raising our kids in all these things, which means ultimately we just end up kind of um assimilating into society instead of creating uh a a new center a new polis a new um city on a hill 
where uh, the unbelievers look at that and say, look, that, that is beautiful. What they are building is amazing. And so I want to raise my kids in such a way where they understand the moment of what's going on in our point in time. They understand the battles that we have in front of them. And they understand that they need to build and they need to build on dad's shoulders. And they need to hopefully do better than dad did as a father, as a husband, as a Christian, uh, as a businessman, whatever. And that's why I think it's so important for this generation to reclaim reformed theology because I think it has practical ramifications for even how we think about business, even how we think about um, our farms, even how we think about uh, the very um, earthy stuff that God has before us and what it means to disciple the whole world. When, when Jesus said, go into the nations and make disciples of all, all people, um, it's, it wasn't just making you know, convert those to the gospels, making disciples to the gospel. And in order to do that, we have to give them something to to disciple to. You have to give them something to be able to latch on to. It's not just a spiritual conversion. It's not just a spiritual discipleship. It's a real um, earthy discipleship that matters even in how we raise our kids, how many kids we have, how, how, how we start businesses, uh, how we, we go about doing our everyday Monday through Saturday work. So that is why I subscribe to the Reformed Theology and why I think it's important for this generation. And I, I really, truly hope that we see Reformation and Revival in this generation coming up and that our kids and our grandchildren are in a position to kind of take back, especially in our country, take back what our country has destroyed. Um, Cotton Mather said, faithfulness begets prosperity and the daughter devours the mother. And that's what we're seeing in our cultures where you have, we've been prosperous and now we see the daughter devouring the mother and we need to, and, and, and the Christian worldview is the only worldview that can come in, repent of that sin and re and, and, and then, um, not only, not only repent, but actually go about the work of making, uh, America right with Jesus again. And, and that includes all the way down to the ground. So, um, that's why I subscribe to Reformed Theology, and that's why I think it's important for this generation. Um, thank you, Dead Men Walking. Lord bless everyone. Have a Merry Christmas. So why do I subscribe to Reformed Theology? The idea of Reformed Theology comes from and traces its roots back to the Protestant Reformation, of course. And as many have stated before, the Reformers themselves trace their doctrine back to the scripture. So my answer is plain. I subscribe to Reformed theology for the same reason that many of the early church fathers subscribed to it, because it's biblical. Now, I understand that sounds like I'm painting with a broad brush stroke. However, considering the vast historical canvas, it seems appropriate for me to paint in such a way. Certainly, there are many well-known names that color the landscape of church history. Tyndall, Wycliffe, Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, Knox. We could go on and on, and there are a great many more unknowns. If you've ever had the privilege of possessing a 64-count box of Crayola crayons as a child, you know what I'm talking about, the one with the sh crayon sharpener that's built into the box? Then you are well aware that it wasn't only the red and the blue crayons that brought your Herbie the Love Bug coloring book masterpiece to life. But it was the cerulean 
It was the indigo. It was the scarlet that added to and accentuated the minute details. So why is Reformed theology relevant and why is it so important for our generation? Because sin and heresy are recycled products that repeat themselves throughout the years. For example, Martin Luther wanted to take a stand against the indulgences practiced by the Roman Catholic Church, and we have it historically that he took his stand by nailing those 95 theses on the church door at Wittenberg, and in doing so challenged the false notions that were being set forth by the Roman Catholic Church concerning the Scriptures and the practices of scriptures, and what salvation itself was, and where it came from, and how it was attained. And so, in our day, and in our time, I have compiled what I have entitled my thesis against the indulgences of the modern church age in which we live. First of all, it's important for us to understand that the foundation and the basis of this thesis is the Reformation principle of sola scriptura. Let it be understood from the beginning that the scriptures are, one, inspired, two, authoritative, and three, they are sufficient. The modern church movement today can, in many ways, be compared to the Roman Catholic Church in the years preceding and leading up to the times of the Reformation. Now, during that time, the Catholic Church insisted upon adding to the Scriptures, adding to the Scriptures things such as indulgences, traditions, and works, just to name a few. As well, the Libertines and the Anabaptists wanted to include inner light, which simply explained means that they believed that what they thought was God revealing himself. These teachings open the door to making the scriptures subject to the interpretation of no one, or basically anything goes. The scriptures, however, are not subjective, but rather they are objective. Feelings, experience, mood, all these are subjective All these are dependent on circumstance and convenience. The scripture was given as God's objective standard of truth, not dependent on circumstance, not dependent upon convenience of time or what does and does not make us feel good. We are taught in 2 Timothy, as the Apostle Paul instructed Timothy, study to show yourselves approved, rightly dividing the Word of God, rightly interpreting the Word of God. And so, just as the Catholic Church insisted on adding extra-biblical revelation, so does the modern church movement today. It insists upon the same. It follows, then, that the modern church movement itself can and should be rebuked for its undoctrinal teachings concerning revelation— and sign gifts. So why is Reformed theology important for this generation? Well, because it's important for the next generation. And if this generation, if our generation is not teaching the truths found in Reformed theology, then it's likely that we will lose a generation to the world, the flesh, and the devil. If we are not building on these 
principles. If we are not building upon the objective truth of the scriptures, particularly in the day and the time in which we live, we'll lose this generation. But if we can give this generation the landmark, the truth, the rock, solid, fixed, founded, established, and settled word of the living God on which they can and should build their lives, then there is a hope for this generation. But we must stand firm. We must be steadfast and hold to the rock and to the anchor in which we have in Jesus Christ in his holy word. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips or email us at deadmenwalkingpodcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pump TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.